1: 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial for shooting and killing two men in the wake of last summer's BLM riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The American right to a free and fair trial, however, is not stopping everyone on the left from labeling him a white supremacist monster who traveled to Wisconsin to kill people. Those on the left are agitated after decades of seeing young black men railroaded by the criminal justice system. However, they're doing to Rittenhouse what they plead for the rest of America not to do to us, which is to judge him by the color of his skin. They want to punish Kyle Rittenhouse for the sins of his forefathers, but this is the politics of revenge. It's not right. It's immoral. And if it continues, it will continue to burn this country to the ground. Plus, we will get a very problematic take on this case with journalist and lawyer, Megan Kelly. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Okay, Problematics, it has been a wild week. If you're like me, all of a sudden, all anybody could talk about was the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. It seemed like We were, God, in 2020 all over again where we're talking about the same stuff. We're talking about white supremacists and, you know, the racial inequities in the justice system and BLM riots and all of this other stuff. So I've got a perspective on all of this. And, and what I've got to tell you, Problematics, before we start is this. I'm not interested in giving you some legal perspective on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. I am not a lawyer, okay? And I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know things that I do not know, because what irritates me the most about this culture that we live in right now is that everybody always pretends to know everything, and I can't stand it. I, I really can't stand it. I think that it will end us as a country. So I am not going to do that. So before I get started in, in giving you my take on this, my take is very cultural. It's about the politics of revenge that I think a lot of people on the left are, are kind of sliding into. So before I get my ta- give me my take on this, I'm going to stick to what everyone knows, which is that this child, who is now 18, used to be 17, um, was 17 at the time. This kid traveled to Wisconsin. You know, apparently, look, you know, depending on what news you watch, he either traveled to Wisconsin to help clean up after the riots and he was EMT certified and he was all these different things, or, you know, he traveled to Wisconsin to shoot people. Look, either way, he traveled to Wisconsin, he was armed um, and ended up killing, shooting, and killing two people in an altercation that happened after dark. So let's talk about these two men that he killed. I'm not even gonna say their names because I, it just look these men that he killed, and this is this is problematic. Whatever, these two men that he killed, who did not deserve to die, by the way. I I, I don't know. Apparently, this was a a self defense thing. Maybe they. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All I know is that from what I know, from what the video that I saw, these men were attacking him, and he was fearful for his life. Right. So, these men that he killed were not upstanding citizens, both had multiple arrests for strangulation, choking, false imprisonment, um, sex crimes against a minor. Um, That was what one of them had been sent to prison multiple times for, right? So... It's, you know, these were not necessarily upstanding citizens. So we'll just say that um, it's not too far outside of the realm of possibility to assume that people that had been in and out of jail multiple times for crimes like this may not have had Kyle Rittenhouse's best interests at heart as they advanced on him with a weapon and said things like, you know, we're going to hurt you. Right. And so this information that you're just now getting from me is information that is being kept out of any reporting on this story by the mainstream media. In fact, CBS, um, just got caught. Um, they had to tweet and delete this. Um, they had to delete this tweet that they just tweeted out. And I quote, Kyle Rittenhouse testified in his murder trial yesterday, breaking down in tears. As he told the jury, he murdered two men at a black lives matter protest last year in self-defense. Now, um, look, he has not been convicted of, of murder or homicide yet. So at this point, it is a shooting. And this is what CBS tweeted out and deleted it. Okay. They knew how bad this was. But we're seeing a lot of this stuff in the mainstream media. And I'll get to the media stuff, and there were coverage of it later on when we bring in um, Megyn Kelly. But the information that I just told you about these people's criminal record is being left out of any reporting of the narrative. Why? Because this trial, with everything else else nowadays, is about a narrative. People are uninterested in facts. Facts do not exist anymore. These people are only interested in revenge, right? And I'll get into that. But first... Let's go back to the riots of 2020, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Why was Kyle Rittenhouse there? Why were were the people that he shot and killed there? Why was were were BLM riots happening? You remember Jacob Blake, and you know my new problematics. Dig into the archives because you know I, I talked about all of this stuff at the time. And Jacob Blake was somebody who was shot nine times by police and was wounded. He was not killed. He was wounded, I believe. That he was paralyzed, may or may not still, may or may not still be paralyzed. I do not know. He is not being trotted out in front of the media, obviously, because the mainstream media figured out that this is not something, somebody that they could use for a narrative, and they figured that out relatively quickly. And why did they figure this out? Because the police um, were called to Jacob Blake's ex's house that day um, because he had showed up um digitally penetrated his ex without her permission but he sexually assaulted her and was being violent and argumentative and all these different things she called the cops um he had made his way back out to the car at some point and so now you know the cops are like you know you need to get out of the car a struggle ensued and he was shot nine times shot and shot and maimed paralyzed whatever at the time Mind you, because these BLM riots were being stoked by the mainstream media who wanted to get Trump out of office. This was so big that even Kamala Harris, then vice presidential candidate, now vice president, visited Jacob Blake's hospital bed and told him that she was proud of him. Now, it's not clear what she was proud. It's not clear if she was proud of um, the sexual assault uh, that he committed on his ex or whether she was proud of... Uh, you know the, the uh, assault against the police officers. I said, it wasn't clear exactly what Kamala Harris was proud of, but she was proud of him, right? And so this is just a little context as to why we are all still talking about, but um, why we were talking about this, why this stuff even happened. Like I said, the coverage that you're seeing from this, this is not about facts. This is about a narrative. This is from. Um, a lot of people who are interested only in revenge. And I'll get into that a little bit. But what I will say is this. And this is when it comes to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial that you will watch. The lines have been drawn. If you are on the left and there is on, there is only one way you are allowed to think about this situation... If you're one of my problematics and and you're a liberal and you're on the left and you voted for Biden and and you love him, God bless your heart. You love Joe Biden. There is only one way that you are allowed to think or speak of this situation. And the way you are allowed to think or speak of this situation is that Kyle Rittenhouse is an example of white supremacy. He's a white supremacist. Um, He was a white privileged young white man who went to Kenosha, Wisconsin to try to kill um, black people. And that's why he was there. That is the only way you're allowed to think of this. You're allowed to have no compassion for him. You're not allowed to put yourself in, um, in his shoes at all. In fact, when he breaks down on the stand about these killings that he has committed, admittedly, self-defense or not, he killed two men. When he breaks down on the stand because the enormity of taking two lives reaches up to him, gets back to him then the only thing you're allowed to do is say, oh, he was acting like LeBron James did, right? So these are the lines that have been drawn. And why have these lines been drawn problematics? Why is there only one way that you are allowed to think of this if you are on the left? And by the way, if you are on the right, it is let's not rush to judgment. It's it's rational on the right. It's let's not rush to judgment. Let's see what's going on here. Um... But also, there's this rush to say, "Well, this is he's being railroaded because all of this stuff happened because this is what the left said." Again, people on the right are being defined by the left. And, and where is all of this stuff coming from? And I'll tell you where it's coming from the from the left. It is coming from the politics of revenge, and I'm going to tell you exactly what the politics of revenge are. Right on the other side of this break.
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All
1: right, guys. So we're talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial right now. And what is going on here is this. And this is why the lines have been drawn drawn and this is why this is somehow um yet another race race war in this country this you know with the media and all of this stuff there's this, this incessant obsession with race. And the left loves this right now because they can distract people from the failures of this administration and distract them with yet another story about race and privilege and all that stuff in society. These are things that it feels like we have not stopped talking about for the past 13 years in this country. My goodness. But a lot of people from the left are coming at this from the politics of revenge. What are the politics of revenge? Okay, so let me break down to you exactly, you know, what these black liberals are saying and, and what they think about this. And this is truly, this is what black liberals will tell you when they're not on camera, um, when it's just you know between two people or whatever. There are black liberals that are agitated, that are angry, that are tired, that are weary from the history of injustice in the criminal justice system when it comes to young black men in this country. They have a right to be angry. Um, Because this stuff is as real as the sky is blue. The um, disproportionate mass incarceration of young black men, um, young black men being railroaded by our criminal justice system, all of this stuff has happened for decades in this country. And I'm not you know, a conservative-leaning, a right-leaning commentator that is just going to pretend that these things never happened because they did. And they are still happening in some capacity in this country. And these people are aware of this, these black liberal commentators, and they are angry by this. They are Their anger is righteous and it is never-ending. And so when this never-ending righteous anger for the Probably tens of thousands, if not millions of young black men who have been treated unfairly by this criminal justice system, who does treat black people, particularly young black men, less fairly than others are treated. So when something like that, something like this comes up, for them, this is an opportunity to get revenge. Kyle Rittenhouse is not Kyle Rittenhouse. He's not just him. He's not a 17 year old, whoever this young man is. Who, know, who knows who he is? At this point, um, lots of people are projecting lots of things about who this man is based on whatever their politics are. Um, if you're on the right, he is a good natured young kid that had to defend himself. If, he's, if you're on the left, he is a white supremacist that traveled to Wisconsin to murder black people. And the politics of revenge that is coming from a lot of these commentators on the left is saying this. Since Kyle Rittenhouse is young and white, and we know that the criminal justice system has been so disproportionately cruel um, to young black men in the society for the past couple of decades, he needs to pay for the sins of his forefathers. Kyle Rittenhouse has to pay, he has to pay penance with his life, with this murder conviction, with him, you know, sitting in jail for however long he will sit in jail for. If he is convicted of, of homicide in this case, do I think he'll be convicted? No, it, it seems like the prosecutor is making a lot of mistakes. But then again, like I told you guys, I am not going to give legal commentary on this. So the politics of revenge says that it does not matter what the real facts are in this case. Kyle Rittenhouse is young and white, which means that he is guilty. He is a white supremacist. He probably voted for Trump. So throw him in jail and throw the book at him, because if we do that, then it will some way bring us closer to righting the wrongs of the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of young black men who were railroaded by the criminal justice system in America over the past 30 to 40 years. In their minds, this is right. In their minds, this is completely justified with these black liberals, completely justified. In the brain dead white liberals that are sort of, you know, cheerleading this and sort of saying these things because they know that they can't say anything against what black liberals are saying because then and they know like, look, you know, I could play the soundbite of Joy Behar on The View, sort of like cracking jokes Um, I, I, Kyle Rittenhouse breaking down on the stand, but I don't want to because she's gross and the whole thing is gross, but she knows, Joy, Joy Behar knows, and, and any other white liberal knows that if for one second she decides to say, well, wait a minute, maybe this person is filled with grief because he shot and killed two people in self-defense. Maybe this person is not a white supremacist. Maybe he's not, whatever. Joy Behar, as a white liberal, knows if she says that, then the woke crowd comes for her. You cannot win with this crowd. And part of the politics of revenge that are being celebrated in. And, you know, um, engaged in by a lot of these black liberal commentators on the left, that's a part of it. It's not only about Kyle Rittenhouse, but it's about making well-meaning, brain-dead white liberals like Joy Reid so deathly afraid to say anything that she may really feel that goes against this crowd. And she's so afraid to say anything because she knows that they will turn on her. Where this all goes, problematics, I have no idea. And when I really come out of this and and really look at it with a bird's eye view, there's no development. Um, There's no room for development of of things like common sense anymore when it comes to these people in in the mainstream media because those lines are drawn. And I do not know, honestly, that there's any sort of room for any sort of... Thought that's, you know, maybe a left of center thought um, when it comes to Kyle Rittenhouse, when it comes to conservative meaning leaning media, because it is filled with people who just repeat themselves and they wait, um, they wait to see what, what are conservatives saying about this. So that's what I'm going to say. There's way too much of that on the left and the right. And for me personally, you know, my take on this is that, um, if you have been, like I said, if you have been to any of these places that were destroyed, majority black communities, by the way, all the downtown, all the city areas, these were black communities that were destroyed by these BLM riots that were waged in support of the flawed martyrs martyrs like Jacob Blake and George Floyd and, and Brianna Taylor. I mean, guys, come on. Come on the stuff is out there. And if you say anything if you say anything that's real about this if you're a black person and you bring up anything then yo oh, you're not black and it's just it's it's ridiculous. But this is where we live in. This is the politics of revenge. This is the post-truth era. This is the stuff that I'm telling you guys about all the time. There is no truth anymore. There is only a narrative. And there is only the politics of revenge. And that is where we are. And this is where we will continue to be, mind you. Look at, the, look at how the left talks about Ashley Babbitt, who was the only person, by the way, killed in the Capitol riots of January 6th. She was a white female Trump supporter. Look at the way she is spoken about. On the left, these are the people that pretend to be, uh, in in the words of my my guest, Megan Kelly, that's coming up, your moral betters. So your moral betters look at somebody like Ashley Babbitt, and they will say that she deserved to die because she is white, she is she is a Trump supporter, and she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. This kind of thinking is immoral. This kind of thinking deeply, deeply disturbs me because this kind of thinking is leading us on a very, very bad path as Americans. It is making us angrier. It is making people less likely to look at their fellow citizen as a human being based on where they fall on the political aisle. the stuff is bad, folks. And I don't believe in the politics of revenge that are being practiced by the left right now. And you'll see it. And like I said, you'll see it a lot right now in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. You've seen it when it comes to Ashley Babbitt and all of these people that are still in jail um, when it comes to the, the January 6th riots. And you will see the politics of revenge over and over and over again. Because... This is all the left has. This is what these people have. These people are angry. On some level right now, a lot of the people, and I'm not talking about the black liberal um, media commentators because they're living in, in the media bubble right now. Their money's fine. Their contracts are signed. They're paying a little bit more for gas. They're paying a little bit more for groceries or whatever. They can afford it. They're good. The people that these people are trying to rile up right now are the people that are actually hurting. The well-meaning white and black liberals that are actually hurting under this administration, they are hurting by inflation, okay? They are hurting with these gas prices. They are hurting with the grocery prices going up you know, 10%, 12% over the past year and, and keep on going up. They are hurting. So to distract from the failure that is going on right now, The people that are interested in the politics of revenge will fan the flames of these fires whenever they come up because they need to distract people that are hurting from the reasons why they are hurting. Think about what the people in Kenosha are feeling right now. You ever been to one of those places that have been burned down by BLM riots? They are probably still, in fact, I just got an idea, I may go back to... These cities that are burned, they are still smoldering, folks. They are still smoldering. What do you think those people think about the BLM? Do you think those people don't feel played by Biden and Kamala Harris and BLM and all the rest of those grifters that are multi-millionaires living in some gated community while their neighborhood is still smoldering? So, this is what I'm talking about, folks. These are the politics of revenge that you're seeing. They are immoral. And I'm telling you. If we don't start calling it out, coming from the left and everybody on the left, we don't start calling this stuff out, this is going to literally um, and figuratively burn this country white to the ground. Because we can't just keep on hating each other based on who somebody voted for or what you think that their politics are based on what skin color they are. It's a joke. It's silly. It will destroy America. Next up, folks, for a legal perspective and a media perspective on the Kyle Rittenhouse saga trial. I'm going to bring in Megan Kelly right after the break. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and
0: luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family.
2: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies. Hard truths only. That's what the truth podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right, problematics. I told you I had a, a special guest for you today. I am here with Megan Kelly. She is a journalist, the host of the Megan Kelly Show, which is on Sirius XM Triumph 111 from twelve to two, five days a week, Monday through Friday. You can also find it on youtube.com slash Megan Kelly. And the one thing that I think is very hysterical, and I thought I was gonna make this joke, is that Megan Kelly and I have something in common. Right? Um, she actually tried to get into the New House School at Syracuse University. She was not allowed in. I actually did go to the New House School. So that <laughs> explains why I am so much more massively successful than Megan Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks so much for joining me.
3: My pleasure. Yeah. no, it's Now I consider it a badge of honor that I didn't get in there. So I want to get your
1: take on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And now I want to get your take on this stuff from a journalist perspective, right? Um, I want to get your take on what you're seeing from the coverage, not only of the trial itself, but of also some of the chattering class, I, I think, on both sides that seem to be taking a side when it comes to this trial?
3: Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, like so many, there's been a rush to judgment. And it's not hard to get things right in the media. Just don't make assumptions about anything and let the case play out and watch and wait for the evidence before you make your pronouncements, right? The media does it exactly the opposite. They check out in, this is another case, right? It's like, look at Kyle Rittenhouse. He's this like working class white kid from the Midwest mm-hmm. um, who likes guns. Well, screw him. I mean, that you're already on the wrong side of a lot of journalists and people who control the media today. And what did he do? He had an AR-15 at a Black Lives Matter riot. Mm-hmm another huge strike against you. Um, that none of that is illegal. So far it's Kyle Rittenhouse hasn't done anything wrong. Now I happen to be somebody who thinks he should not have shown up there that day, that this was not his fight to fix, Mm -hmm. that it was a law enforcement problem. And you know, I realized they weren't doing their job, but it wasn't his problem to fix. And I still believe in the rule of law. I I, I still do. So I don't think he should have gone there that day, but that's that. He he didn't break the law. Even the gun charge, which is basically the linchpin of the prosecution's entire case, appears to be very flimsy because it turns out he didn't take a gun across state lines. It was given to him while in Wisconsin. He was under age, which is not allowed under Wisconsin. You you can't have a long you can't have a, a firearm under age eighteen. But the law appears to make an exception if you have a long gun. So it kind of goes down this rabbit hole. My point is, even the original charge. Because he basically needs to have been doing something unlawful um, for the prosecutor to get him on all the other stuff. It, it Even that may not hold up. So my point is that the media jumped rushed to judgment. If you go back and look at the early days of this coverage, vigilante, vigilante, vigil- mm-hmm. domestic terrorist, racist, Trump supporting, you know, all of it, all of it. Yeah. and it, None of that has been proven in a court of law. None of it. In fact, if you look at the videotape evidence, and let me tell you right now, Rob, if if they didn't have videotape, this guy'd be going away for life. No question. The videotape is what's going to save him. But frankly, all the eyewitnesses have been on his side too. Even the one he shot, the testimonials have all vindicated Kyle's belief that his life was in danger, and that's why he fired the bullets, the media still doesn't care. Now they're lamenting the proof that's coming to us in the actual court of justice, as opposed to the court of social justice, which never predicts the right result.
1: Yes, it it would have been so easy for them to spin this if there wasn't that video. And what I'm seeing in this Rittenhouse trial, this is, and and I talked about this a little bit early in this episode, this is what I call the politics of revenge. And this is something that's coming from a lot of people on the left, particularly African-American liberals, where people are upset that this country does have a history of disproportionately, you know, incarcerating young black men. We are aware of that. This is now a bipartisan issue. I labored on Capitol Hill with the Republicans to get the first step act passed. But instead of moving forward, now, we want to do what was done to young black men at some point in this country's history. Every time we see a young white man that we think can be coded as a Trump supporter or Republican or whatever, um, I, I think it's immoral. I, I do not think that it is right, and that yeah. is just my perspective.
3: Well, and I think you know, I I said this um, in in an interview. It was actually with Carlos Watson, whose company has now imploded. Um, but anyway, I was saying. I th- I see this in some ways the way I saw the Me Too movement right like there can be a fight for racial justice and true equality and being honest about where we are as a country that that brings us together that doesn't divide us apart mm-hmm. and I remember saying to my fellow women when the Me Too movement was exploding whoa whoa you know slow your roll because. We need men to help us. We're not going to get ahead in this country. We're not going to get into the C-suite, you know, offices and so on. If we run around blowing up the career of any man, some woman just makes an allegation against with no proof. Mm -hmm. Like there has to be due process. There has to be proportionality. We have to be honest about who the sinners are. Just because you're a man doesn't mean you're guilty, right? Let's look at the people who have actually committed wrongs and focus on them. And I sort of see some of the activists, you know, affiliated with Black Lives Matter or what have you, making the same mistake. You know, you don't have to divide your army like that. It can be a much more unified effort.
1: Yeah. And you know, for me, as as somebody that's a a black man that's a right-leaning political commentator, I'm not always anti, you know, BLM or whatever. But you know, I think a lot of people have not been on the ground in these places after one of these riots has taken place. I was in Minneapolis after those riots. I I went down there. I believe I raised about $130,000 to help small businesses. And when you're at these places, there are a lot of people that are there to clean up, to help, do whatever. Uh, Apparently, this is maybe. Why, why Kyle Rittenhouse was there, not verified, who knows. But I, when you are there on the streets after dark, things become dangerous. Absolutely. Things become dangerous. And if he was not armed with that weapon, like we saw, it would have been him that, that was dead. Um, But anyway, I want to move on a little bit from Kyle Rittenhouse. And before I got to let you go, I want to get your take on the media and journalism industry. As somebody that has worked on all sides of it, from cable news to mainstream morning news. Now you're on the, I I call it digital media entrepreneurship side Mm -hmm. of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Why do you think that there is such a distrust of our industry from the general public?
3: Because they've earned it. (laughs) I mean, they've earned it, right? It's like, I I have marveled in the wake of the COVID pandemic at the media's befuddlement on why people don't trust them. It's like, okay, so they were paying attention during the BS Russiagate Mm -hmm. hoax. They know you lied for years and then didn't own it when it was totally exposed. Um, They were paying attention on your nonsense double impeachment of Trump right you've just gone hardcore political and you've rooted for it at every step and by the way speaking of don lemon you've told us now openly for four or five years you hate the right half of the country right. you hate them that you think they're all bigots racists terrible people that if you voted for trump it must mean you're a racist you've totally alienated them you have no relationship with them and those are some of the people out there in the viewing audience so when you look at them and say trust me it's a little late. It's too late. That's, you know, the, the husband who cheats on you five times and then comes home on number six and says, trust me, it's not going to work. So it's totally broken down because not only have they shown that they won't cover the news fairly, they've shown that they hate half the country that can't be repaired. So we're, we're as tribal now in our news consumption as we are in our politics. And there's part of me, Rob, that's like, great, Fine. You know, because at least now the other side has dropped the veil. I think people always knew at Fox News that we were more right leaning in our coverage. Um, And but at least now the veil's off on the mainstream media. People don't look at CNN anymore and think, oh, I'm just watching the news. They know they're watching left wing news. And if that's your cup of tea, go for it. Otherwise, you know, it's better not to be deceived.
1: And I think that's a really good point. You know, this is what I tell all my problematics because they know, because I've got an independent streak, everybody knows that I'm right leaning, um, but I don't take just the right side of whatever topic just because yeah. this is what I'm supposed to do. But it's really all about, and this is what I tell the problematics that are listening. I said, look, listen to my take you know, listen to crazy Joy Reid on MSNBC, go watch whatever you want. And and the truth is going to be somewhere in between all of these people, I, yes. I think in your media consumption.
3: I can't um, do that. I have to tell you, that's a bridge too far for me. I will listen, I will read the New York Times. Yeah, I listen to the Daily, which is the New York Times' broadcaster, their podcast in the morning. I listen to NPR in the morning, but I could not do MSNBC. I cannot do Joy Reader. no, absolutely not. Well, sometimes I'm telling you,
1: I I will just be home. And in my mind, it's just like, what is Joy Reid saying? And I will go over to these networks just to watch them. They're still talking about January 6th. They're not talking about anything real that is actually affecting the lives of people in this world. And look, their numbers are approving this. Okay. Last question before, before I let you go. The Worst pieces of advice that I got when I went from writer, producer to commentator. Somebody told me, go be a local field reporter or I'll never be on television. That was told me by an exec at one of the big three. Um, TV won't care about black people anymore now that Trump is president. That was an executive at MSNBC (laughs) uh, and of all places. And somebody told me, don't be a political commentator. Be a straight journalist. This is by a talent exec at the now defunct HLN. I don't know if HLN's in the news. Anyway, yeah. um, Bad advice. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to journalism schools and people that want to be journalists moving forward?
3: Mm, you don't need journalism school. That's for sure. Mm. Um, it is you
1: trash. Don't. I agree. It, yeah.
3: It's, it's a trade, not a profession. Roger Ailes used to say he never wanted somebody, forgive me, from Columbia Journalism School, um, because it's basically, I, I liken it to the, the line in Willy Wonka at the end, my favorite movie, where Gene Wilder says to little Charlie Bucket, the reason he had to send out the golden tickets is because he needed somebody who was unvarnished. You know, he needed somebody who would come in and and accept his ideas yes. as opposed to all with their own ideas. And I, I feel like this is sort of like journalism school. Go out into the world with your own ideas and lo- don't let them imprint their crazy left wing bias on you. If you're crazy left wing, then that's how you'll be. That's fine. You can hone those skills without journalism school behind you. If you're more right wing, they will try to beat it out of you and completely Mm -hmm. change your worldview. Or even if you're just fair. So you don't need any of that. It's a trade. Just go out there and start doing it. But I would say the other thing is um, you're going to have to have a thick skin. So get used to getting criticized. I mean, everybody in today's day and age has to have one, but especially if you're going to be in the public eye, you can't need the adoration too much. I think everybody Who chooses to go on TV needs a little adoration. But you can't need it too much because it's going to be peppered with a lot of criticism, more criticism than love, probably, at least openly. Behind the scenes, there's more love. Um, And I do think that, you know, sort of just honing to the facts, staying with the facts as they present themselves is the way forward. Like don't let your bias be the first thing you ask. I mean, I'll I'll give you this example. Because it happens on both sides. There was a young anchor at Fox News. Who once came to me and said, um, "Like I don't even know what how to cover this story. Like, what are the Republicans saying about it? How are they how are they reacting? You know, because this was going to be her gauge on how to cover the story. I'm like, who gives a shit what the Republicans are saying? The facts are the fact. Go follow the facts and report the story. If you've got reaction from one side or the other, you can report it. But your first question is not what is my team saying, right? And I think if you follow that approach, you'll be smarter and you'll look better." Than the rest of your your colleagues. And the last the last thing, Rob, is oh, um, sure. d- don't be don't be elitist in your approach to the job. Empty the garbage cans, volunteer to work Christmas morning, do the overnight shift, do the weekends, do the snow shift, go cover the hurricanes, do it all. Don't be above anything. Be a learn it all, not a know it all.
1: Love that. And I just gotta say, um, you know, as somebody that went to Columbia Journalism School, and you know, I'm just gonna pat myself on the back here and more successful than anybody in my class and also more hated than anybody that came from my class. <laughs> more problematic,
3: I'm, you might say. Yes,
1: very problematic, very hated. Okay, Megan Kelly, journalist and host of the Megan Kelly show. You can find her show on Sirius XM Triumph 111 from 12 to 2, five times a week, Monday through Friday, and find her on youtube.com slash Megan Kelly. Thanks so much for joining me, Megan, and um, all the Problematics are going to love you.
3: Uh, My pleasure. I feel like I'm one of them. I hope you can come on sometime soon. Before we go, I want to thank my
1: fellow Problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And to hear more of my episodes and to get my weekly newsletter, go to Gingrich360.com slash Rob. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, Robert Borowski, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker, Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Okay, round two.
0: Name something that's not boring.